dinner for us one night at his place. Uh, but she has been quite ill, and uh, they had no idea really what was wrong with her. Uh, an email this morning says she's improved somewhat, but I thought it would be good to ask everybody's prayers for faith. Uh, and there are a couple of others, really, that I might mention. They didn't ask specifically, and I, uh, I hesitate to ask for public prayer in a sense when uh, they didn't ask in that way. But uh, there's a, a new lady most of you have not heard of named Gloria from the Portland area. And uh, she has a grandson, Liam, or Liam, however they say it, who has had some real difficulties. He's quite young. I think, is it a matter of months or 18 months or something? I, I forget now. I'm, my mind won't remember the detail. But he's been quite ill. He seems to be recovering. But uh, you might send up some prayers for him as well. Uh, his grandmother has been very, very much into uh, our sermons and website for some months now and uh, is very excited about what she's learning. She did, by the way, come across the Passover understanding on her own about 2009, I think it was. So she already understood that when she discovered the things that she's learning now. Also, uh, many of you might remember Tim Moore from up in northeastern uh, Wyoming. He was here for the feast one or, I think, two years. Uh, he, he and his wife, Joy Bell, are getting up in years like many of us are, and uh, they're having some health issues there to be considered as well, and he asked for prayer uh, for them. Uh, so I'll just ask that in general. I won't get into, de- into detail about specific issues, but they do need God's help and healing and his intervention. Uh, I also was asked to maybe give a report on Kenya as well as the planning and zoning situation. Uh, to kind of keep us updated a little bit. We are still sending some assistance to Kenya, but I I changed that. I think I may have mentioned this maybe even two or three or four months ago, that uh, I wanted what aid we're sending from here to go to the church itself, not to... Uh, orphans that they're just bringing together out of the world and the the villages around them. Uh, I got thinking about that, and though I'm very concerned for orphans around the world, for that matter, and there are millions and millions of them, uh, it is not God's purpose right now to feed the multitudes. It is not his purpose to provide for a world that is sold under Satan's system and not until the millennium will he set his hand to be sure everyone is taken well care of. In the meantime, the prophecies prescribe for the world famine and pestilence and disease and war. And though those are terrible things to have to face, to realize they're beginning to happen more and more around the world, and we'll soon be in the middle of World War III, uh, that is what has to happen to humble mankind before they will even begin to listen to God. So I said what little help we are able to give, I felt should go to those whom God has called out and has shown uh, that much interest in at this point. And we have plenty of widows and plenty of orphans within those who are believers of the truth. 
without bringing people in from the outside. And not only that, but Braddock's dad, uh, who was affiliated with uh, the Goff uh, Foundation or whatever it is, uh, has separated and has gone, at least I read, now I don't know whether this is true or not, so I don't want to start a, a rumor, but I did get an email that said he had gone with uh, a different group called, the, uh, I don't remember the name, but he calls himself the Church of God writer, used to be involved with living, and uh, has been going around showing that he's a prophet and so on and trying to convince living Church of God that he is. But anyway, it appears that uh, Braddock's dad has, has changed affiliation and gone with him, or maybe both, I don't know. Uh, so there's, there's an awful lot there that I'm considering and thinking about. In fact, I was thinking about it some this morning, and then I got a, an email from Braddock's asking some uh, doctrinal questions about uh, meaning and symbolism of Passover and leavening and so on. Uh, so they are still seeking truth, it appears. Uh, but I don't know what to think entirely of the situation in Kenya. We know here very well that God is going to, just before or at the time the King of the North invades America, to begin to call out a gathering of people to finish his work, a, a tenth or a tithe of people a remnant to build the temple. And here you have all these people in Kenya clamoring for aid and help uh, from different branches of the church here today, and yet I don't see anything coming from Thailand or China or Germany or Canada or Chicago or Miami or L.A. much. Uh, so he hasn't started that general movement to gather people yet. And yet you have all these people in Kenya who claim to be part of the church and wanting help. And I, I know a lot of it has proved to be merely a money thing. So I, I would appreciate, and I think I've asked for this before, your prayers that we make right judgments uh, because we don't have much money to spare. And I did cut them way back uh, some months ago when I... Uh, realize that we couldn't feed all the orphans on earth and no sense in trying to feed a few from the villages around but concentrate on the church itself which again is replete with uh, orphans and widows who need help as well as transportation and a ministry. So I cut them back about 60% over what we had originally started sending to make it more doable for us, as well as still to give them some help and assistance. And we'll see how things turn out. But uh, they seem sincere, uh, and I hope they are, and I hope this isn't another scam. Uh, I, I had rather be positive than negative about it and let the fruits work out in time so we know more of what we're dealing with. So that's kind of where we are with Kenya right now. Uh, and as far as our status with planning and zoning of Mojave County, that's more of a, an issue here uh, that I don't want to take a lot of time on because it's not particularly to do with the Bible. Although, uh, we were told to come and build a village and ultimately more villages here in the end time for God's purposes. So this is, I think, the first of that. And it does have some bearing, or we wouldn't be here, on what we're doing and why we're here. But uh, 
they keep telling us, well, all you need to do is add this to your map and, and a couple of things and all will be taken care of. But they have a great deal of turnover in their planning and zoning offices. So every few months, it seems, uh, they have a new person in charge of our project. And they dream up all kinds of ideas that are different than what we were told in different meetings from time to time. This is all you need to do more. This is all you need to do more. You do this, and you'll be in compliance, and we'll approve your plan. Uh, so we work on that, and we get that close to compliance, and then they add a bunch of stuff that's somebody dreamed up who's new on the job. So it just kind of drags on and on, and I don't know whether... I, I don't, they're not pushing it the way they were at one time. In fact, I think they're about to run out of funds, and they've kind of left northern, north of the Grand Canyon alone again to some degree, because they were pushing to try to make everything here just like Kingman or like Phoenix. And we're not. <laughs> not north of the canyon, we're not. So uh, they haven't been pushing it as hard, and they're not, not something I want to push. I just assume we never uh, completely were in compliance and became a trailer park, which is what they want us to be. So we're not hurrying it, and it appears at this point they aren't either. Uh, but every time we have an official meeting with the real powers that be, they say, well, this is all you need to do, and then it changes. And it continually changes. So uh, we'll just kind of write it out and see where it goes. Nobody's threatening to take us to court or me to jail at the moment, so uh, I'm not going to worry about it too much. We'll, we'll continue to work with them, and we'll see how long this thing takes to work out. Now, I want to take a hiatus today from the series we've been doing on how God would build a temple. Uh, we've kind of gotten through what was wrong with the temple and why God blew it apart. And we're perched, ready to begin, what does God want and how would he build? What is he seeking? But I've had something on my mind a little bit for some weeks, and I wanted to share it with you, so this won't be part of this series for those who uh, set the thing up on the internet. This will be a separate sermon. Um because I want to enlist your help in sorting some things out and seeing if we can derive what really is true and what might not be true. Uh, let's think back for a moment about the church view under Herbert Armstrong of the world, if you will. And remember, he was born in the late 1800s and... Uh, was a young man during World War II, I mean World War I, and then World War II came along. And somewhere in the process, after he began to understand the Sabbath, the Holy Days, and some basic truths of the Bible, he also read some books about British Israelism and the identity of nations and so on, and did a study on that. He borrowed somewhat from those books. I think that's fairly apparent, and that doesn't bother me. He didn't plagiarize in that sense, but he took what was there and available and compared it with the Bible and, and began to come up with some conclusions. But was he right in all those conclusions? Uh, that's something uh, I think we need to take a look at. I know that he was wrong in some of his conclusions. 
Uh, How many, I guess, is the question on the table today. Uh, He looked at the world as it appeared in his day and analyzed what he saw in the light of Scripture to try to come up with the identities of various nations and what their role would be. Now, the Bible makes some very specific prophecies about various peoples and nations. Some of them are pretty hard to identify. But how are you going to know what is what if you don't know who is who? If we know the identity of various peoples, it will help us to understand the prophecies of the Scripture and what's going on today. Uh, He concluded that Ephraim was Great Britain and Manasseh was the United States. Now, there's the first one that I think uh, we have shown conclusively from Scripture that was backward, that indeed America, or the United States in particular, is Ephraim and Great Britain is Manasseh. Now, remember, when he was looking at it way back in the 20s, 30s, early 40s, uh, he saw the British Empire before (laughs) the sun went down on it. And it basically ended, and it was pretty much a worldwide uh, thing, or empire. Uh, The United States had not yet come to the forefront in the way that it has in the last 50 years. And therefore, he did not look at it in the light that we might today. So, it's not that necessarily his judgments were bad. He was close, and he identified us as two of the tribes of Israel, but I think he got them reversed. We became a union of different nations or states, uh, up to 50 now, with some others kind of on the periphery, like Puerto Rico. Uh, So there is a commonwealth or a group of nations put together under one leadership in Washington. But they were sovereign states on their own until they gave that sovereignty up to the federal government. And if you look at the scriptures, Genesis 49 and others, Jeremiah 31, where God elevated Ephraim to firstborn status, and see the blessings that were to come to Ephraim, uh, they're here. They're not in Great Britain. And it talks about how these things would be proclaimed there in Jeremiah chapter 9, is it? Uh, From the mountains of Ephraim. Where are the mountains of Ephraim? Great Britain doesn't really have any mountains. they got some hills. They call a few of them mountains up in Scotland, but that's not really. Uh, so there are a lot of clues that we've been through in the past, so I won't belabor this with that. But just to let you to review that some of those conclusions we reached may have not been quite right. Now, as you know, we looked at the situation in Europe and saw from Daniel and Revelation that there would be a ten-nation combine that would arise in the end time and uh, would attack Israel, whom we basically deem to be uh, the United States and Great Britain, although many of the nations in Western Europe we also identified as some of the tribes of Israel. And he identified Germany as Assyria. I don't know that that is correct, uh, 
And I'm not saying it's not. It may well be. On the other hand, I think that we need to look at things that are going on in the world today, how things are shaping up, and perhaps look at some of these identities again and see if they were indeed correct. What evidence, other than superficial, do we have for the various nations of Western Europe to identify them according to Genesis 49? God gave us just a little blurb there about each one of the tribes, and from that, our scholars in the church looked around in Western Europe and tried to figure out which of the nations there fit Genesis 49. Now, some of them may be fairly apparent and fairly easy, but I submit that some of them are sort of difficult to determine exactly who is who. Let's go back there for a moment, Genesis 49. Verse 1, Jacob called to his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. So Jacob had been given information in some way from God about what would occur in the last days, which is where we are today, before Christ returns. So this is a prophecy for now. So he says, Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power, unstable as water. You will not excel. He went up to his father's bed, and so on. And uh, we concluded from that, basically, I think, that Reuben was France, because they kind of, some of them have a nasty attitude, and because of uh, their stance on romance and various things and instability in the, the nation. Now, I don't mean to be throwing rocks at France. Uh, I'm just saying that's some of the reasoning that was used to identify Reuben. Now, he was the firstborn son, and yet I've already said in Jeremiah 31, God calls Ephraim the firstborn. Well, God saw fit to give the blessings, the double blessings of the firstborn to Ephraim. And he had the right, on a spiritual level, to change uh, that birth order. God can do that. And you'll see, if you go down in verse 22 about Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh, they were to receive far greater blessings than any of the others. And we'll look at America today, and it has received the greatest blessings of all in terms of climate and uh, natural resources, and on and on and on it goes. But let's go down, uh, let's pick up Dan, for instance. Some of these are very vague, Zebulun, Issachar, Gad, uh, how, how do you identify? It says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that bites the horse's heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for your salvation, O Eternal. And in fact, Dan was not even mentioned in the tribes in Revelation 7 and 14, whichever it is that leaves it out. Uh, they waited, or will have to wait, for whatever reasons. Now, Dan here is suggested as being a problem, condemning, judging his brothers, the rest of Israel, and 
doing it in such a way like a snake, a venomous snake that would kill uh, the horse that you rode on, that would take you down, could destroy you. If your horse is poisoned, and horses speak primarily in the Bible, or at least in some contexts, as military might. The military often rode horses, chariots, horsemen, and if someone bit you, or bit your horse, knocked it down, you were very vulnerable. And that's what he says Dan will be. Now, we came up, or they came up, years ago with the idea that Dan was primarily Ireland. And part of the uh, thought on that, I guess, was that there were many Catholic priests and they were heavily Catholic and so on, and the Catholics were biting at the Protestants. Uh, That, to me, is fairly superficial. I don't know that that identifies Dan at all. Dan may have been, in that sense, as Catholics against Protestants, somewhat judgmental, but they haven't been like a serpent or a military might to bite at others. So we came up with that definition for Dan, and yet we recognize that the name Dan, or D-E-N, Steve Collins does it a great deal in his book, shows that name going through uh, Eastern Europe and then into Western Europe, Uh, And in fact, one of the nations there, Denmark, is just a corruption of Denmark. Uh, So, is Denmark Dan? Is Ireland Dan because of the Catholic priests there judging the Protestants? Uh, I don't know. You have the Danube River going through Germany. The name of Dan is on one of the major rivers. And take it further. The Dnieper River, D-N-E-I-P-E-R, that goes through Russia, uh, Ukraine, and Belarus. D-N, Dan, Dnieper. Dan came through. It talks about Dan being the serpent's trail. Uh, you can trace uh, Dan through the rivers. Rivers go back and forth. Uh, they don't go straight. Uh, so, Dan can be identified all the way back into Russia, into Germany, Denmark. So is Ireland really the right conclusion? I'm asking questions here. I'm not suggesting anything for certain at all. I'm just raising some questions that I think we need to look at. Now, even Dr. Hay had said at one point that he believed that Germany was not just Assyria, but the tribe of Gad was scattered throughout Germany as well. Now, before he made that statement, I think in the 60s, as I recall, uh, the USMBC booklet had identified Germany as Assyria, period. No Israelites there. Now, obviously, the German people are Semitic of the, of the lineage of Shem, and every, I think everyone pretty well recognizes that. But to see a German on the street and to see one of the, a person of one of the other tribes of Israel on the street, you really wouldn't know the difference unless you heard the language. It's very similar, Semitic for sure. Uh, but I also submit that Russia is the same way. Now, the Protestant world, for the most part, has included Russia, I think, with Gog and Magog, the hordes of the East, that would come against Israel in the last days. 
But is it fair to do that? Can you lump Russia with Gog and Magog? Uh, the Russians have many blonde, blue-eyed, redheads, uh, a lot of sandy-haired people, brown hair. Uh, they're basically white-skinned and look Semitic. Uh, you, you have to look at a Russian pretty carefully sometimes to know whether he came from Chicago or Florida or, or uh, Moscow. Now, when you get further east in Siberia, yeah, you do have people we might call Eskimos in Alaska that have obviously a great deal of Asian blood in them. But most of the Russians in Western Russia and the Western half of the nation certainly are uh, Semitic-looking. They don't, they don't look like Asians. They don't look like uh, Ham, Hamites. They're Semitic in coloration and hair and eyes and everything else. But where do they fit? Stand why Herbert Armstrong would have said Assyria is Germany. And maybe it's true. But let's back off and take a look. You know, we've learned a lot of things in the last 16 years, 18 years. And maybe we've got some misidentifications to consider. I would like to enlist your help in looking into some of these things more deeply than perhaps was done in the past and see how things are shaping up in the world today as compared to how they were before World War I or World War II to it. And I don't know that I still do entirely, but maybe I'm on the edge of it. But we said there would be a ten-nation combine in Europe who would destroy the United States, would be the beast power, and we took that from, from Revelation and Daniel. But most of those nations that we thought would be in the European Commonwealth, or what's called the EU, European Union today, uh, were Israelite. Uh, why would that be? Did you just have one Gentile nation, Germany or Assyria, and the rest of the ten nations basically would be Israelites? When God calls this time of the end the time of Jacob's trouble, he doesn't say just Ephraim's trouble or Manasseh's trouble. He says Jacob's trouble, and there were twelve tribes. So why would the tribes of Israel be associated with a Gentile nation just to whip up on their brothers and be part of the beast. I should think, based on many of the prophecies, that most of those nations of Western Europe would also be defeated by the beast power because they are Israelite. And the world basically hates Israel. All of the tribes of Israel, not just the Jews but all of them. And indeed, as time has gone on, we did not see a ten-nation European Union that then defeated the United States and Britain, did we? Now we have, what, 22, 23 members of the European Union and others wanting in. I don't, I've lost count. I don't know how many are actually there. There are several pending. And now there are a few who want out. But it didn't happen exactly according to our script, did it? And how do you make sense of it today uh, when there's far more than ten, and many of them are of Gentile nations, a few are of Israel? 
I don't know whether that makes sense or not, but I can understand how Herbert Armstrong would have thought so in 1914 and in 1939 or 40. Uh, because who was whipping up on Europe? It was Germany. Now, wait a minute. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that bites the horse's heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. What nation persecuted the brothers of Jacob? What nation tried to defeat them all and take over Europe? Germany, no doubt. But is Germany Assyria or is Germany Dan? who bit the other brothers. That's not a statement of fact. That's a question. I don't know. It's just something that's gone through my mind a little bit lately in trying to figure out what's going on in the world. Now, it says that the Assyrian is the rod of God's anger. There in Isaiah 7 through 11, it talks about it quite a bit. Uh, it says that it is in their heart to cut off nations, not a few in that very context, though they don't understand that or know that. And because of the wars of the 20th century, we assume that that had to be Germany. But, consider this. Maybe Hitler killed six million Jews. How many people did Stalin kill? How many nations has Russia cut off compared to Germany? Germany tried and didn't cut off very many, but tried. And it was, it's in their heart to, to do that too, obviously, because they tried it twice in the 20th century. But are they the only ones with that mindset? Do we also have Russia as a possibility, considering they appear to be Semitic peoples as well? Throw in the thought of Daniel 11 and the back and forth wars between the king of the north and the king of the south. It does appear that the king of the south could be basically the Muslim world. Uh, I would conclude that, I think, from what we can see. Uh, but they have not identified themselves in terms of the wars that will be fought according to Daniel 11. The king of the north is somewhat elusive. Uh, we've looked upon Assyria, or Germany, as the king of the north in the past. Look at a globe. How big is Russia, and how far north is Russia? Uh, goes right on up to the North Pole, almost, and they're claiming that. And goes, stretches across most of the northern part of the northern hemisphere with the exception of Alaska and far northern Canada and Greenland. Uh, and they used to own Alaska, and they want it back. So, uh, are they the leaders? Now, I know that it is not going to be one nation that attacks our nation. Psalm 83 tells us it's a consortium or a conspiracy of many nations, as does uh, Isaiah 8, that there will be many peoples who form a coalition against America. Now, we, some time back, and I did a whole series on it, identified the great horror of Ezekiel 16, Revelation 18, as America. Uh, 
there's no other nation that fits the biblical descriptions by far. None other than the United States. Uh, Jeremiah 50 and 51 gives some indications as well where it calls that great Babylon of the end time the hammer of the whole earth. Now, who in the world hammers on anybody they want to but us? And it isn't the American people who are Israelites, but it is a all-seeing eye in D.C., a Babylonian Greek and Roman government who rules over us that is behind the wars that we go into, and they find ways to get the American people behind their next war. But we've been the hammer of the whole earth, and now we are hated almost universally by the peoples of the world. Uh, the Asians don't think much of us. Uh, nobody does. So it is the Shemites, or the Wasps, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, or whatever, basically the white races that the rest of the world wants to gang up and destroy, and America in particular. So the great horror of Babylon has to be one nation that is destroyed by the beast. It says the beast and the false prophet in the end time will hate the whore and kill her. And if that can be identified as America, and we won't go into all that, I spent quite a few sermons on it showing so many scriptures that only fit this nation, only fit this nation. So we finally, I think, identified Babylon, and there are others in the world who recognize that that is America, and Revelation 18 says it's fallen, it's fallen. And I have concluded that America is leader of the Babylonian system, Satan's system, which is all around the world, but we lead it at the moment. But we will be destroyed, and a new sheriff will come to town, called the New World Order, uh, the world-ruling empire that is about to be hatched. And it will be the leader of Babylon after America has gone into captivity, and then Christ will destroy that when he returns. So Babylon will fall twice, in its first iteration as America, and its second as a world-ruling empire. Both will be knocked down. So we get destroyed first, essentially, as this thing starts and heats up. And then it says the whole world will worship the beast. So ultimately... What we see and identify today as a new world order is going to be a world-ruling empire. Let's uh, notice in Revelation 13, just a, a quick note here. I'm, I'm not trying to prove a lot today. I'm just doing some postulation, some thought, asking some questions. But they are keyed by the Bible. It talks about this beast that will come up with seven heads and ten horns and rule for 42 months. Uh, verse 7, And it was given to him to make war with the saints and overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. That fits in very nicely with Revelation 11, where it says that they will overpower those who are left behind of the church. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, only true believers of God and His Word will be the ones who do not worship the beast. That is going to be such a powerful 
and miraculous entity that the world is going to be completely deceived by it. Satan deceives the whole world, Revelation 12, 9. The whole world is going to be deceived by this. It says that the, uh, there'll be another dragon come up, verse 13, and he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, deceives them that dwell on the earth by the miracles, and so on. So he's given great power by Satan, so you have a political and a religious head in this new world order. It's going to be both political and religious. One world religion, one world politics. And that's what is being worked upon feverishly behind the scenes right now. And we are, as our, our own government is a part of it, in fact, Jeremiah 50 and 51 say that our leadership will give their hand to this and have a part in the destruction of our country. And if you look at it, America today, the educational system, the entertainment world, the political world, the monetary world, they are doing from Washington, D.C., everything they can to destroy us as a people. They're not stupid. They're deliberate. They're doing it on purpose. The things that they do that look idiotic and stupid aren't stupid if you have a plan, which is destruction. They don't appear smart, but they're smarter than you think, because they have a plan in mind to destroy us so that the new world order can be born. And America has to have its military destroyed and this nation destroyed before these Gentile leaders can take over. And that's what they're working on. 260-some-odd of our top military leaders have been fired in the last two years. They are diminishing the amount of uh, men in the service back to pre-World War II levels. That's being done. Our weapon systems are being taken apart and destroyed and given away and sold and so on and so forth. So it is a deliberate thing. As World War III is heating up, we are demobilizing instead of mobilizing to win. We are demobilizing in order to lose. And the Bible says that that is exactly what will happen. So Washington, D.C. is not our friend, brethren. We may be Israelite people, but we're ruled over by people who are of a Gentile mind and a Gentile government who have sold out to the New World Order and want to be a part of the elite that rules the world. And it will rule the world. Daniel makes it very clear that it will be part iron and miry clay, and that it will not hold together very long. Forty-two months, three and a half years is all it will last. But they will form a coalition that will be a world-ruling empire, and all the world will worship the beast and the false prophet except God's few true believers. That's all. Satan has his two witnesses, just like God will have his two. The beast and the false prophet are Satan's witnesses that he is the ruler of the world. And they will appear very shortly now, as World War III heats up. But now let's back up to where I was with Russia. I see today something forming there where we are backing down. We... We've made sanctions on Russia because of the Crimea situation. A few of their 
leaders or a few of their uh, politicians can't come to Disney World for a while. Uh, we're really tough, you know. Uh, we're playing into their hands. But understand, and you may have even seen it on the mainstream media, uh, that most of the, or at least 60% of the natural gas that provides heat and power for Europe comes through the Ukraine. And most of that comes from Russia. The Ukraine is in deep debt to Russia for power and energy that they have used that they have not paid for. And Russia can shut off the flow just like that to Europe, and Europe will be in a world of hurt. So Russia is in a great position to take over the old USSR and even encroach upon Europe and make Europe do their bidding. I don't know that they are the Assyrian. I don't know that they are the leader of the King of the North. But I have to see what's shaping up today, and it makes me wonder if we should not look at the identification of nations in archaeology, in history, in terms of language, in terms of ethnicity, uh, and whatever else or category we might come up with, place names, to try to determine if we've identified the nations correctly or not. Germany today, even as we are on the cusp of World War III, does not appear to be extremely powerful. Uh, Russia holds the keys of power much stronger as we sit here today than does Germany. Now, that could change. Uh, if we're selling out to the New World Order and they want Germany to be the leader, it's very easy, about 15 minutes, they can retrain our own missiles on us. <laughs> they don't need a big military because they can use our own materiel against us. That could be done very easily if you have traitors in the right places. So we may have been right all along, but I don't know that. And I look at a Semitic people in Russia, and it makes me wonder, as things are shaping up in the world today, if Russia is not much more powerful than Germany or the European Union. And NATO, with the United States and Western Europe, could be dismembered very, very quickly, and then America is going down. We already know that. And the sons of Jacob probably as well. So will this coalition of nations include Belgium and the Netherlands and Denmark and Norway and Sweden and France and Spain and so on? Well, we haven't identified Spain as a nation of Israel, but uh, the, the Western nations, will they be betrayed by the European Union and destroyed along with Britain and America as sons of Jacob's in the time of Jacob's trouble? It just was always a little uncomfortable to me to see that maybe nine nations of a ten-nation dictatorship in Europe would be Israelite. When God is angry at Israel. So that's one of those things like Passover that kind of niggles on your mind and you don't know quite what to do with it. But now I'm beginning to think we ought to try to do something with it and see where we're coming from. What made us think Germany was Assyria? other than the fact that they were ready to whoop up on the rest of Western Europe. Remember at the end of World War II, if the United States Army had not been there 
Russia would have overrun the rest of Europe at that time. It was certainly in their heart to do that, and they would have cut off many nations, not a few, had the United States not been there to stop them in Germany as they pushed west. Because Hitler made a big, big mistake in attacking Russia, and then <laughs> here it came. And we were the only thing there to stop them from just plowing through the rest of Europe, which had already pretty well been destroyed in World War II. There wouldn't have been much opposition if we hadn't been there. So it's in their heart as much as it is in, let's say, the German heart that we used to think about. Some of you are here probably of German extraction, and you don't like to think of Germany as uh, <laughs> the leader of a, a nation that wants to kill everybody or to subjugate everybody. And I don't know that that is true. I don't know that today. So, could Germany possibly be Dan that's, that bit the other brothers in Western Europe during World War I and World War II? I don't know. Danube goes through there. But it does say they'd be like a poisonous snake that would destroy and hurt the other nations of Israel. Ireland hasn't done that, have they? Not in that sense. They've not been a military presence that tried to whip up on everybody. Well, they might have tried to clean out the bar in New York, but, you know, that's different. Uh, this is talking about a poisonous snake that does powerful military things. I don't know. We've, we've identified the Vikings from Norway and so on as those that would be a ravening wolf. Well, the Vikings did. They attacked England and so on back, you know, hundreds of years ago. But are they a ravening wolf today? Pretty placid country. I don't know whether that's properly identified or not. All I'm saying is some of these identifications we made may have been fairly superficial, and perhaps we need to take a longer and deeper look to see if perhaps we may have made some mistakes, uh, as indeed uh, we did with Ephraim and Manasseh. Did we with some of the other nations? Uh, if you look at Gog and Magog, and they're identified as Meshach as well, and you go back to Genesis 10 and the Table of Nations, I don't see a Semitic people there. I see Japheth, which is essentially the Asian or Oriental peoples, the yellow races. The sons of Japheth, Gomer and Magog, and Madai and Javan and Meshach, uh, it talks about Gog and Magog and the hordes of the east coming against Israel at a time in the future. And J Javan, what does that remind you of? J-A-V-A-N. It's only one letter different than Japan. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, and Riphath, and Tagarma, and so on. The sons of Javan, or possibly Japan. By these were the coasts or the islands of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue and after their families in their nations. So, they, that group of peoples from uh, Japheth, I think has been correctly identified basically as the Asian or yellow races. And Ham, uh, the black races, and Shem, Semitic, as essentially the white races. 
And who do the Muslims, Ishmaelites plus others, look upon as the great Satan? It's America. It's, it's Israel. Uh, the nations of the world want to see us go under, and Bible prophecy says that is indeed going to happen. So where do you put the Russians? They're not of a yellow race. They're not of Japheth. Why lump them with Gog and Magog then? They aren't that far east. Well, Russia was spread all the way across to the east, but the bigger population centers are in Eastern Europe, not so much in Asia. And yes, you do have more mixing, as I said, uh, on the uh, eastern side, where they've mixed and have the Eskimo types and so on. But most of the Russians look Semitic. So can we lump them with Japheth and Gog and Magog, or do we need to reshuffle the deck here a little bit and see if we can make a better identification? Now, nothing may change. I'm not saying we need to suddenly, uh, you know, stir up the bowl and, and uh, try to try re-identify everyone. I'm not saying anything drastic or of that nature, but I'm asking these questions to just see if we really know <coughs> what we're talking about in some cases. Yes, the Assyrian and the king of the north will destroy this nation. The Bible makes that clear. I don't know that it is completely clear who that is. It isn't Japheth, uh, but it could be Germany or it could be Russia, but it will also be a coalition of nations that will include many others who want to see us whipped as well and who want to further the New World Order. So what I'm asking is this. Uh, those of you who have an interest in such things, uh, look into it. See if we can uh, do some scholarly research, uh, put some things together, and maybe even look back at some of the old articles uh, that we had that very superficially uh, designated some nations of what we thought they were and look at other source material and see if we can determine if that was correct or if a deeper research would show maybe a few different answers. They might. Uh, I read some articles just recently, have been the last two or three days on Steve Quayle's site, about uh, Egyptian uh, artifacts having been found in America. Uh, what's the name of that cave in Illinois? Uh, Burroughs Cave. Uh, they found many, many Egyptian artifacts. And in fact, the ones who put that information up say that this was the second Egypt. Many pyramids have been built in America. Egyptian artifacts and European artifacts have been found all over this country. There's another article on that same site, Steve Quayle, about, uh, again, about uh, the Egyptian artifacts and city that was found in caves in the Grand Canyon. And they show their pictures of many different Egyptian-looking artifacts that are apparently in the Smithsonian to this day that are shown, and they will not allow those areas to be excavated or researched or, or checked over in the Grand Canyon to this day. So, different ones are beginning to realize that there was a European presence here long, long, long ago. And they even identify in that article I just mentioned in Burroughs Cave that, uh, that Joseph came back and forth between that Egypt over there and this Egypt at least 11 times. Now, I think they have the direction wrong. 
Now, we've recognized now that this was the original uh, cradle of civilization, that the Garden of Eden and Zion and Jerusalem and everything were here, and this was the original promised land. And later on, Israel was taken by ships into captivity into northern Africa, the Middle East, and Europe, and only in the 1600s did we, or we allowed to come back here. So they think that Europeans came here a thousand, fifteen hundred years ago and went back and forth. I submit that it started here, they went there and then came back, so they are identifying America as the second Egypt, or parts of it, whereas I think it had contained the first Egypt, and then a second Egypt was begun over there. And many of the pyramids and the things that are there are replicas of what was here. And we even know where there are three volcanoes that are laid out exactly as the pyramids in Egypt are, that are natural hills, natural volcanoes that have been copied by man in Egypt, in China, in Mexico, in Slovakia, or in, uh, what's the nation I forget now? Bosnia. And various other places are discovering these sets of three pyramids that are laid out in the same exact configuration as where I think the hill of Jerusalem originally was. So we've come to recognize some things in the last few years that are different. But even worldly scholars are seeing all of these things found in America and beginning to say, hey, those Egyptians were over here a long time ago, and the Europeans were here a long time ago. They don't know how to put the whole story together, but they do recognize that presence because it's there and cannot be denied, even though historians and Smithsonian and different ones try to do so. Because we've got this Christopher Columbus myth we have to maintain. Anyway, I think it's clear that we can see that there have been some misidentifications. There are some things in history that are upside down and we're trying to get right. And that we, even in the Worldwide Church of God years ago, misidentified some nations. So I'm merely asking the question, are there others that we might have misidentified as well? And as things shape up here toward World War III... Wouldn't it be nice to know for sure who is who, so that when you read about them in this book, you know who it's talking about, and then you can know what they're going to do. So I'm not submitting anything I have said today uh, that could make a difference, and perhaps there are others that I haven't addressed, uh, but the Assyrian and the King of the North, I think it's important to know who they are, truly are. And not just assume that because World War I and World War II happened, that that has to be the Assyrian. Now, I know all the words about Asher and Assyrian and how they fit and how that could be Germany. Uh, we've researched some of that, but was it all correct? Do we really know that, or is it something we simply accepted because we saw it in a booklet? That's dangerous, you know. We need to look at things carefully and be sure that we have the truth. That's all that matters. And if we have misidentified some, it will make a great deal of difference as we watch what's happening in the world geopolitically and militarily to know where the trouble comes from. The Bible even states that our nation will be taken over by a people of a strange language and we will not know where they came from or who they were. It will happen so fast. In a moment, it says, 
in a day in Revelation 18. Uh, in other words, prophetically, a very, very short period of time, there will be a, an economic collapse and a military defeat. And this nation will be gone, gone into slavery. We know that very clearly from Scripture. But it says that the nation itself will not know. They'll be taken by surprise. Should we as well? With our knowledge of the Bible, should we be taken by surprise or should we know where it's coming from? I think we should. So, I would like to enlist your help to look into some of these things. All I've done is a little thinking and uh, surmising and perhaps a little bit some educated thoughts on where there may be some inconsistencies or where our research was not by any means complete but superficial based on what Herbert Armstrong may have seen happening in the world and misreading maybe in some cases. So I don't know about all this, and that's why I'm saying, why don't we make a study of it? Let's look into it. Let's see if we can uh, determine if we were right, which is possible, or if we were wrong, which is also possible. But let's know for sure, okay? And those of you who have any kind of an interest in that type of thing, uh, look into some of these things. Uh, where's our curiosity, you know, our intellectual curiosity? Uh, are we lazy in our thinking? We say, oh, well, what difference does it make? Uh, it could make a lot of difference. Uh, we need to know what we know. And if, and if God takes the time and space in this book to tell us, well, this nation's going to do this, this nation's going to do that, wasn't it important for us to know, for him to put it in the book? And isn't it important for us then to be able to identify who he's talking about? Because there are major sections of this Bible which talk about the nations of the world at the end time and what they will do. And God wanted us to know that is the reason he put it in here. So I think it behooves us to look into it and try to be correct, to be right, and to know that we know. So if you can look into some things, take whatever part of what I've said or some other aspect of it, look into it. Uh, email would probably be the easiest way to get information to me, and I can compile it and look at it, and maybe you'll bring up some questions that I can look into myself, <coughs> because um, I think these things are coming pretty close to happening, many of them. So that's the reason I wanted to interrupt the, the sermon series I was on and present this to you today as a study project to reconfirm what we know or to unlearn what we may not know. Uh, at least ask the questions and then see if we can find the right answers. So I, I'll cut that off to, at that uh, just to give you some, some thoughts and some things to think about and to look into. And I don't necessarily have time to do all the research myself, but if we do it as a team, uh, working together to see what we can uncover, uh, then that would help the whole effort to understand. So uh, here's your chance to be a part of learning and understanding and deepening our grasp of what God is doing and why he's doing it and who he's doing it with and who it's going to be done to. So uh, pray about that. Ask God about it, and uh, if you feel moved to help, uh, I would very much appreciate it, because I want us to know.